0: Hey Scott, yes, Adam. if I buy shares in you to help you increase your value, would you buy shares in me? No. Why not? Good dick.
1: Coming to you almost live from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. This is The Unknown Studio. I'm
0: Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And joining us in the studio for the, I guess what's technically the last episode of our season, if there were seasons in podcasting.
1: The first season of The the Unknown Studio. Yeah,
0: which is probably the worst season of anything, uh, because the first season of everything sucks.
1: As evidenced by Star Trek The Next Generation in
0: particular. And every Star Trek actually, ever. But joining us in the studio today is Tom Oli. The VP of Marketing and Media Relations for the increasingly popular social network, Empire Avenue. Tom, thanks for joining us. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, so before we get into what you're all about and where you've been, pitch us. Even though we're already users of the Empire Avenue, if we weren't, how would you get us on this social network?
2: That's a tough one because I think it's, it keeps changing a little bit. You know, our, our kind of idea of what the site was when we started it back in whatever September October when we really started working on it compared to what it is now has kind of changed I'd say overall what we're trying to do is create uh, a social influence stock market where basically anybody whether it's a business a person a blogger a podcaster photographer whoever can go on buy and sell virtual shares in basically anyone else uh, who's registered on the site And plug in your Facebook, Twitter, other social network uh, stuff, blogs. Uh, And through that, kind of get a measurement of your sort of social media footprint. Um, And from there, hopefully be able to, you know, bring bring new people into your, your activity, get new people reading your blogs, following you on Twitter, whatever. Uh, and then also now through through Communities, which is one of our newer features, uh, also trying to make it easier for you to find those kind of people if, if you're looking for a new blog or a new website to look into.
0: That actually has been very helpful for, for me to decide on new people to invest in because as new users have been coming onto the system, I've basically been going by like their avatar. Is this person ugly or not? And are they so ugly that I must invest in them just out of sheer morbid curiosity? Or are they beautiful and I must invest in them because it's nice to have those pictures in my stock portfolio do you see how shallow i am
2: well i mean but but really i think that's that's kind of the point is that you can invest in people or you can connect with people for different reasons i mean you may just invest in your friend because they're your friend you may only give them 100 shares because they're not a very good friend or something
0: like that <laughs> oh is that the metric maybe i don't know i don't, know. I don't sh- know if it's 50 or i, I don't, should go buy shares in both I, you guys i'm right not
2: here. allowed to trade shares so uh oh really either way yeah so um But yeah, I mean, I I think everybody gets something else out of it. There's a lot of people who are kind of playing the game. There's a lot of people who kind of understand where we're coming from uh, in terms of wanting you to actually sort of put a value on the value you derive from the person. So if if there's a, a... blog or a business even say like transcend coffee or, or some one of these local businesses is on there uh if you really appreciate them the idea is that you'll give them a big investment and you'll say hey i get a lot of value back out of you so here you go i'll i'll express my value i'll
1: here. give you some virtual value exactly. in return
0: now uh and i actually do find with in all honesty that that's how i'm using the system yeah. i'm finding people or brands that i'm familiar with or that i like and my my vote of confidence other than saying, Hey, transcend to coffee is awesome is to buy shares in them. Right. Was that how you guys had conceived of it when it started? Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean basically the initial idea was just as a, a pure kind of stock market where you're basically just buying shares in blogs or, or whoever that you actually want to support. Mm-hmm. You know, basically instead of just following somebody on Twitter or you know, liking them on Facebook, actually being able to put more of a value on how much you like them, or you know, potentially being able to help them out uh, by investing in them, and then you know they get credits that they can use to then spread their,
0: themselves out a little bit further. So, what's the uh, what's the end game? Like, what was this just something that you guys came up with the idea? You thought it would be kind of interesting to see, and and.
2: Um, no, I mean, I, I actually wasn't involved in the, the really early kind of idea creation. Um, it was basically Dupes, who's our, our CEO, uh, and kind of some of the guys that he used to work with, some friends um, back from Newfoundland, I think, or whatever. They're they're in Montreal. Uh, and they kind of got together, figuring that, you know, a lot of these big ad agencies or, or big ad companies like Google, for example, or, you know, anybody that you run ads through on online, Facebook even or or anybody gets a lot of money from the content that people are creating on those networks Um, you know somebody who's running a a Google ad isn't gonna make a lot of money off traffic um, but Google's making a lot of money off of that traffic so our kind of whole goal was to come in and make sure that people who are creating that content whether it's even just updating Facebook or you know contributing on Twitter people can be Twitter stars now um, yeah. You know, it's it's basically wanting to be able to let those people get some value back uh, and ultimately be rewarded through the advertising platform that will eventually turn on um, and through some other other kind of features that we're going to end up plugging into the site.
0: So you're so. actually going to allow people to make money off of off of their influence in a way. Yeah. that's yeah. The goal.
2: So I mean, basically, the goal is that you'll be able to use us uh, sort of as a replacement for a Google AdWords. Um, huh. or, you know, basically any kind of ad network, um, and really in the level that you want. Cause again, we our, our theory is that because you're an influencer and people who come to you, come to you for a specific thing, they don't come to you guys looking for pottery advice, or maybe they do. I don't know.
0: Scott is a mad potter. It's true. Is you it? should see. I
2: do love my potter. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big pottery fan, but, uh, I, I wouldn't be given advice about it, but, um, basically is... If you're coming to somebody and and you appreciate their advice in a certain area, they're going to be looking for that kind of content from you. So if you're a, a photography expert, people are going to be coming to you looking for advice on photography, maybe looking for good cameras. And if you're already, say, a Nikon fan and we have Nikon in the system, you'd be willing to advertise for those guys. And, you know, because of that, your audience should be more interested in that. Because it's something that you're interested in, and it's something that you talk about, so theoretically should be better targeting, should be more relevant ads for people, and that's really all it's going to be about is that you're not just kind of putting a keyword ad on your your page, uh, you know, mention a post about underpants or something like that, <laughs> and then suddenly you got a bunch of Hanes ads running down the side, right? right. So, um, it's it's all about trying to be more relevant with the advertising, which should. In theory, be better for everybody. Well.
0: So, will will this ad network, this advertising, appear on the Empire Avenue site, or will, is it something that will be able to you'll put on your blog or something like that?
2: Yeah, I think we're we're still kind of trying to figure that out. I mean, we're we're still developing things where we're talking to local businesses, we're talking to national businesses, all sorts of people that are interested in advertising, uh, and trying to figure out what makes sense for them. Because I mean, we we want to have the advertising system in place where potentially we can make some money just by having it on our site but do we want to you know we don't want to load our page up with ads and and Mm -hmm. you know just turn it into like an ad portal uh but we do we do want you to be able to carry the ads uh that you kind of negotiate or that we negotiate on your behalf with these bigger companies be able to carry those on your blog you know basically wherever you want if you're willing or able to advertise in a certain place we'll try and make that easy for you
0: and the cost of this advertising will be reflected somewhat in, like, the stock price actually means something or yeah. will mean something. Yeah,
2: so the idea is that the more influential you are, the higher your ad rates are going to be. Um, and I think we're getting to the point where it's, it's, you know, we're, we're constantly tweaking our our market makers is what we call them which are basically kind of logarithms and and stuff or algorithms that kind of run behind the scenes uh, and determine all your activity and figure out what your stock price should be from that Hmm. Um, and so we're always kind of tweaking those Um, and you know I think we're starting to get to the point where that is a bit more indicative of your actual influence online because initially when we started it was more just your audience and activity purely okay Um, and we're trying to move that more toward quality and actually being able to engage your users so the amount of times people are are engaging you talking back to you forwarding your content commenting on stuff all of that will be increasingly more important
0: that's fantastically sophisticated to to do to build something that measures all that stuff yeah and then assesses a value off of it
1: which actually leads me to the question I was going to ask before, how much programming went into putting this together before you even launched it? Because it sounds, at least to me, who's fairly computer illiterate, I basically have a chisel and a rock,
0: and that's
1: my equivalent of I a... I still don't understand how you get
0: that USB cable into the rock, though. You know you what? It's a
1: very sophisticated rock. I don't understand just it. A I just, use it. Yeah. just a little chisel. Just a little chisel. But uh, <laughs> it sounds phenomenally complicated to to me, and I'm I'm pretty layman when it comes to computer programming... How much work went into setting this up? See, I gotta say, I mean, I'm
2: I'm sorta in the same boat as you. I'm not. I can use a computer. I can. If something goes wrong, I can reboot it and figure out what's <laughs> wrong, you know. <laughs> uh But overall, I'm I'm not a programmer. I did some web design back in the day, but uh, you know, everybody fooled around down, on GeoCities exactly, for exactly. a while. I mean, compared that, you, you to have now, some knowledge, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I have a general understanding of of programming and stuff, just just through my years. Um, I think it's a lot. I mean, basically, <laughs> we, have, we have a super small team. I mean, up until from September until fairly recently, uh, Dupes was basically the only programmer working on the site. Um, you know, we have a couple guys helping him on the math side. We have a guy who's a, a, a Rhodes Scholarship recipient uh, uh, out in, in Ontario or is he in montreal now anyways nitham who's our, our uh kind of research and, and technology kind of guy hmm. uh but yeah dupes is basically the only programmer so from you know it, it took him from basically september until february when we launched our, our kind of friends and family beta to come up with the the basic structure of what we were doing and since then it's just been constant iteration i don't think we're going to kind of break that cycle for a long time you know we're, we're constantly adding features like every day
0: so did, did uh did dupes take um take on any investment capital from anybody friends or family or is it all bootstrapped
2: no we've been we've been totally bootstrapped so far um that's good y- you know yeah i mean i'd i'd say we've done exceptionally well with what we have considering everyone's kind of just doing it on their own time um everybody still has jobs except for dupes who's still you know basically just running this is his job yeah. and, and that guy's been Funding a lot of it out of his own pocket, and, and through our, our kind of board of directors and Robert Clear, who's our, our uh, CFO, uh, those guys have basically put up their own their own cash to make it happen. We're working on investment now. I think I hope to, I hope we're fairly close. Um, but again, you know, we're we've been pretty hesitant to kind of accept a lot of money or, or any kind of significant investment because we don't want to give up too much of the company. we don't want to kind of have a a partner come in that's going to want to change everything uh want to change the the culture of what how we work you know we're all telecommuters we all work all over the place uh work from home so it's nice to be able to do that and we don't have to give up seed too much control at this point to to make that happen
0: were you going to say something you went for your button i was turning my button
1: off because i was about
0: to scratch my ah i see anyways um so, no, I think that's good. I think that you want to bootstrap it because you're right. If you take on an investor, I mean. You're kind of beholden
1: you know, to that investor. In yeah,
0: all. and there's, I mean, there's tons of literature on accepting, you know, you can find blog posts on getting venture capital, getting angel investments, and then, you know, how much control do you cede to them? I think if you guys are able to, you keep doing what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of our theory is that, if we don't have to take the the investment at this point, why bother? Exactly. I mean, if we can just develop the site, launch it, we can do our PR, we can do all our our kind of user acquisition, figure out our features. At some point, whatever we're putting into it, whether it's sweat sweat equity or whatever, eventually the company's going to be worth more because of the work we're doing now. So, you know, that that was kind of our theory is that we'd work through that. At this point, we're getting to into a situation where we have to grow yeah um we have to expand the team dupes can't be the only programmer anymore you know so we're getting to a point where we definitely need the money but uh you know we're, we're still
0: working on it and you've done that in fairly short order because we were part of the first well I, were you part of the first friends and family beta no so i i was the one who managed to get an invite
1: i was uh i was invited shortly after it launched
0: right so that happened like wh- when was that
1: those end of February and was when the
2: the friends and family beta launched. Right, here. right.
0: And then so when you open the floodgates, so to speak, how many extra users did you allow onto the system? Um we
2: expanded. I mean, basically at the end of the the friends and family beta, we were at about 350-400 people. Um since then, I mean, we you know, we we just sent invites out. We didn't do too much of a push on the PR side cuz it's still an invite system right now. So mm-hmm. if we have a bunch of traffic coming in, it's not necessarily the best use of it. Um, but since then, you know, so that was the end of February. Since then, we've, we've hit about 3,000 users now uh, this past week or the past couple of days.
0: Um, and that's because of Mashable in a lot of I ways? I mean, the Mashable thing, I
2: think, expanded yeah. us from basically about 2,100 uh, to where we are now. So wow. about a you know 33% kind of growth since then, I guess. That's um, pretty significant. So it's it's definitely helped. I mean, it, it brought a lot of attention. I mean, the, I'd I'd say the biggest thing that happened was that before the Mashable thing, it was a really Edmonton, Calgary, you know, a, a couple kind of key communities that had already existed. Yeah. Um, but what's happened since the Mashable thing, it's become a lot more international. There's there's a lot more users from the U.S. and and we got a lot of people from Australia, Brazil. Uh,
1: Sri Lanka is a big market. It's crazy. What you need to do is you need to get Ashton Kutcher on, uh, and then his million <laughs> Twitter followers will soon follow. What was yeah, that? I don't know. I mean, I'll,
2: I'll take him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna shy him away. But I mean, you know, I, I think we're pretty happy with where we are right now in terms of kind of bringing in normal people for the
1: most part. <laughs> I mean, we yeah.
2: we have a lot of kind of social media experts and a lot of marketers and stuff that are
1: coming onto the site. Well, and it keeps the growth. Uh, Steady, I guess, would be the best way yeah. to put it. You're not yeah. suddenly flooded with people who are only going to be there for like a week yeah. and then just disappear.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for us too is, and the reason we haven't been super gung ho about constantly pushing for coverage and, and you know, I could be out there doing media tours and, and all sorts of stuff, but we're not totally happy with where the site is yet. You know, I, I think that we have a lot of features that we want to polish, a lot of things that we want to add to make it more useful. You know, I mean, even in the last week with communities the sites become more useful in terms of actually finding people before it was more just a game. Now it's a bit more useful and we want to keep tweaking it so that, you know, if, if you're not that interested in just sitting there and trading stocks and that becomes a, a pretty time consuming endeavor for a lot of people it that, certainly that does. sit on the site and just, they're like, Oh God, I'm, I'm spending way too much time on the site. We don't really have to do that. I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, you can do that, but we want to make it a little more useful so that you can actually find people, connect with people
1: I know that adam spends a lot of time trading
0: stocks i spend some some time i uh i
1: actually went the opposite route i uh started uh the first few days just like i can't get off this site and i don't know why and then i was like no you know what i'm gonna stop and just see how my stock fares i'm just gonna check in and see how my stock is doing without really doing much on the site not doing too badly
0: really yeah, yeah. no crazy swings or anything like that
1: eh, it's up and down, but it's fairly steady.
0: That's good. The thing that's been astonishing to me is, it is, and this this has got to make you guys feel good, is that people do spend that much time on there. That oh, some yeah. people have become like obsessed. Yeah. With it. And
2: I, you know, it, it's good and it's bad, right? Because I mean, I think it it a lot of people go so hard for the first like week, and then they kind of you know maybe their stock hits a bit of a peak or. They're just not sure where to take it from there, especially before communities and before we actually had more things to do on the site. It's like, so what do you do once you your stocks hit 25, 30 or something? Not a lot, right? So a lot of people may have burned out and, and kind of moved on. So for us, it's great because our usage statistics and, and stuff is pretty good. I mean, you know, ultimately, if we can be competing with kind of Facebook and YouTube in terms of actually... Keeping people on the site and keeping keeping them there, I'm pretty happy with that. But you know, we
0: we have to work and, and make it a little more useful for people. Yeah, yeah, and I think as the communities are a step in the right direction. Is there any reason that you limit people to being able to join two communities of uh, in those three categories? And and if you'll remind me again what those are, there's there's geographical location.
2: Yeah, we have we have city communities, uh, interest slash brand communities, we call them, uh, and then personal communities. And really, we, you know, we limited it initially to, I think, two of each is, is kind of the, the starting amount. And then you can buy upgrades using the, the virtual currency in the mm-hmm. game uh, to unlock more slots, join more communities. But really, we, we did that again because we looked at, at the real world and thought, you know, how many communities, how many different interest groups, how many things can you be actively involved in? Not a lot. I mean, you can't be a big player in the Edmonton scene and also be a big player in Vancouver, and also in Toronto, and also in Montreal, it's just not possible. Yeah. So what we want, you know, if if you're on Facebook or whatever, you're part, I don't know, I'm part of, hundreds of groups i think on facebook i don't i don't know because i never see them I i've don't heard go... the
0: average is like 60 or 70 per person and
2: how often do you go back to those right i mean especially how how often do you go to that page and type on their wall yeah and interact with the people there so our our thought is that you know if you're only part of a few communities you're more likely to actually be invested in those communities you're mm-hmm. more likely to be engaged with those people you're more likely to be seen in those communities instead of being everywhere like on linkedin i'm part of i don't know a handful of of groups and all i see is just spam and and stuff that's really not that useful because there there's no limitations on you can just hop into a group post a post a a message and off you go
0: yeah if you're only in a
2: few people are going to see that if you keep coming back and posting the same thing over and over again you're always self-serving i don't think people are going to take too kindly to it so
0: no, I, I I agree in it, but you're deliberately, it's almost like, I don't want to say it, it's like you're you're letting people bite off only as much as they can chew. Yeah. And I I think that to cert- a certain extent I'm I mean that's that's the opposite of the way Facebook does it, right? Yeah. But I think you're right, there's value to that because it forces you to be either more engaged with this the small group of communities you are a part of or just not at all because you're not logging into the site or whatever. Sure.
2: And I mean if if you're one of those people who just absolutely needs to be talking to people in 30 different communities that's fine the upgrades actually aren't that expensive you know i don't actually make any money on the site from doing anything and i can still afford the upgrades to to join a few communities
0: so for you how do you do anything on empire avenue if you can't it's
2: very difficult yeah because i don't i have to pay for my own account upgrades my own advertising and stuff so I, I really don't get anything i mean i get uh i get my daily activity earnings or whatever that everybody gets so you can uh, invest in other people no i can't i can't invest in people i can't be purchased myself i can't i can't do anything
0: and I, what was the reasoning behind that out of curiosity
2: it's just be it, it was just something that we decided really early on as as a way to avoid any kind of conflicts of interest and Hmm. and any appearance that we're somehow affecting the market or or doing
1: anything like that. There will be no insider trading amongst the Empire Avenue people. Or anyone. I mean, really,
2: it would be very easy for us to just kind of launch this thing and say, have at it, you know, And, and just not touch anything, just let the market control itself, do whatever that's not something that we want to do, because we want to tie the advertising platform in there because we want you to actually gain some real world benefits in the future from having a high influence. So if people can just log on and make 20 accounts and just buy shares between them and boost their stocks, that's not okay for us. You know, if if there's any kind of we basically we, we value the integrity of the market quite, quite a bit. So, you know, we, we have to do a lot of work to make sure that, you know, we're paying attention to how people are trading, make sure there isn't that kind of that kind of activity happening.
0: Hmm. You guys take this really seriously. I like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I kind of like it. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it would be so much easier just to, to open the floodgates and, and just let people do whatever they want. It's basically the Twitter kind of theory is that, you know, provide them a platform, let them do whatever they want. Twitter doesn't have a lot of control over, you know, content, trademark stuff. Mm-hmm. They they just don't care. Their theory is, like, until somebody complains about it, it doesn't really matter to us. Whereas we have to be a bit more proactive. That, that. Would,
0: that would be so much easier, wouldn't it?
2: it? It would be so easy because, you know, we'll have somebody come on and create an iPhone account. And it's like, okay, we could just let you keep trading as as Apple on the site until Apple comes to us and complains. But
0: I bet they'd come to you and complain in rather short order. Fa- I think faster than they would Twitter. Possibly, yeah. Particularly because there's a value yeah. a- associated with yeah. that. But I had never actually even thought of that, of the, yeah. the effects of in- insider trading. And I think part of that is because I didn't yeah. know about the advertising yeah. platform.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's really not too much of a big deal if it's limited. You know, I mean, if it's one or two, three accounts that are kind of you know making little trades cuz we do have limits in place like basically once you've purchased a certain number of shares in someone they won't make money again if you buy more shares in them because you've already purchased the max, and and basically, if if we were to allow you to just sell their shares, buy more, sell, them, buy more, oh, you could basically okay. just create infinite money for the people that you're buying it, because they get money every time you buy.
0: It. I must be an idiot, because I've never thought of any of these scams before. It's amazing, because I it's stuff that I wouldn't think
1: of either. But so are they're, these they're, all are these all things people have attempted, and oh, yeah. that you guys have caught and just been like, nope, shut it down. Yeah. Or is this stuff you guys... some or Maybe not all of it, but some of it is stuff you guys just considered ahead of time. Someone could conceivably do this.
2: Yeah, we, we had a bit. I mean, again, as we kind of move forward, we're constantly finding these new exploits that people Blue are poles. coming up with. Yeah, somebody, you know, suddenly somebody's investing in 3,000 people at once. And it's like, okay, <laughs> well, that... That doesn't quite work because that'll i don't know i i don't even know what the effects are of that but i, I just know it's not right so <laughs> so you can do that or, or we've had people that will just you know keep inviting especially through the invite period you know you invite someone they get three invites they just kind of create this circle of people that just keep investing in the same account and it's like you could be a little less obvious about this you know and, and try and be a little sneakier that's what i'd do but I'm not going to judge someone. But yeah, then, I mean, through through trading and, and through buying shares, you can feasibly boost somebody's stock price by a fair bit um, and then just have all those accounts sell it off and, and you've created a, a whole whack of money in the game.
0: I'm going to throw this out there because I'm a vindictive prick i think you should investigate Brittany leblanc her share value is just too high it doesn't make any sense to me
2: yeah it's it's just strange she has no influence at all yeah like i've never even i don't heard even her know who yeah. i don't i don't think she
0: should be know. up there i don't think
2: she's especially in edmonton no i don't know if anybody knows her
0: yeah anyone show of hands no nobody no. okay no. whatever yeah so you'll look into that for yeah me. i'll look into it you guys should. Uh, I haven't. I have to admit, I haven't read your the, the uh, Empire Ave blog a whole lot. Do you guys ever talk about the kinds of loopholes that people are trying to exploit, or you just trying to keep that on the DL a little bit?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we. I, I think that any time you talk about that sort of thing, it's gonna just encourage people to do it. You know, so I'm. I'll hold off on on going on the Twitter account, and I'll be halfway through a message that says, "Hey guys, don't create ten accounts and then <laughs> trade shares because it's gonna destabilize the market." I'm about to send that off, but then I'm like, Yeah, you know, I mean I'll probably get twenty people trying it right away. <laughs> yeah, people exactly. like you who never thought about it and go, Oh man, that's a genius idea. Now uh, you know what I'm doing and with now, my evening. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So I'm watching your account now. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I think on our blog what we, we try and do uh is be a bit more forward thinking in terms of just trying to explain where we're trying to go with this. Because especially right now, a lot of there's a lot of confusion and I wish everybody who just came onto the site would just see this content and, and yeah. would understand what's going on.
0: Well, you'll uh, have at least one new blog subscriber. Yeah, I, I'll read it. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Make your job easier. Yeah. I suppose.
2: But yeah, so the, I mean, that's what we want to do is, is just kind of explain why we're doing this, what we're doing, maybe talk about other kind of features. Um, you know, I, th- I think one of the, one of the best blog posts that we had was, uh, I think dupes wrote it was basically about, the relationships and the context that you have in, in your online relationships uh, basically saying like, I don't know about you guys, but when I started Facebook, it was all with friends yeah. uh, is people that I knew. Now I'm getting all these unsolicited Facebook ads from people I've never met mm-hmm. because they found me somehow uh, and they're trying to add me. That's not how I use Facebook. And especially with the open graph and, and things like that, Facebook's basically saying, you know, Everybody's a friend of yours, you know. If if you go to CNN and and you like something, I can see that you like it, even though I don't even know who you are. Or you know, yeah. Uh, say you're say you're applying for a job somewhere and you like the wrong news story, and suddenly that comes out that you know you you liked a news story about something you shouldn't have. That's stuff that that is a bit dangerous. Uh, you guys are pretty that's sensitive. That's where we're to that. trying to be be a little safer about that kind of
0: thing. Oh, that's good. Especially because the Facebook privacy thing has been such a a big issue recently. Even though apparently it hasn't affected their user intake at all, the site continues to grow.
1: I think there's a lot of people who just don't care. Don't care about their online privacy because they don't think that it's going to affect them. Because it never has until it
0: does. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's like uh, I don't lock my car because my car has never never broken into yeah well yeah. you know what someday someone's going to walk by your car and go that's unlocked and it has something nice in the back seat yeah and then you you've lost your stuff yeah. the
0: the nice stories are the people who have found work or other opportunities because they've been they, they behave themselves they're civil yeah but i i do there are there are a few people even on twitter who i just don't follow anymore because i'm like i can really do i need this drama like isn't this yeah. what television is for yeah
2: Yeah. And I mean, to me, that's that's sort of the inherent issue with with Facebook as it's going right now is that they're, I think, trying to turn it into more of an open social network, obviously, um, where you're just connecting with random people. And that's not how the site was built. Or that's at least not, I think, why at least most of the people who joined it joined it. Mm -hmm. It's to connect with friends that, you know, or I have a lot of people that I work with through through PR jobs. But I connect with those people on a more personal level. There, you know, I may share my stuff about work, but I don't want to add a bunch of people that I've never met who are just going to fill my news feed or whatever with random spam or their press releases
1: or their latest sales ebook or, or whatever it is. On the topic of filling people's ears with random ebook advertisements, <laughs> we don't have an advertisement for an ebook, but we do have some advertisements, and we're going to take a short break right now. It's the League of Extraordinary Media, the Edmontonian.com, truebrittle.com, the unknown studio, user-created content. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit leagueofextraordinarymedia.com.
0: And we're back. We're talking with Tom Holy. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, uh, he's got a bizarrely spelled last name, and uh, I'm sensitive to that. There's a Z in my last name, so
1: my last name is French and long. So I know that uh, I know that phone solicitors are calling when they ask for Mr. Burgess. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> Instead of bourgeois. Yeah. What, what do you get? Uh, I get
1: I get all sorts of stuff. I
2: mean, theoretically, my I'm I'm German, but I think the my last name is... Scandinavian or something. Sure, it's theoretically ola, but to get North American people to actually say it like that, it's it's just not worth it. So I get, I get Olay, oh, <laughs> ole, ole, ole uh <laughs> ole. I've had, I've had pretty much anything. I'm just like, how can you even look at that and think ohheely? And I'm like it. There's not even an apostrophe or uh,
0: like. Are you Irish? I, I'm not <laughs> Irish. Yeah. I'm just like.
2: Do I look Irish?
0: I'm the just, nice thing about having my last name is because Rosen is a common, I suppose, prefix in last names. It's like people see that and then they just decide to tack on whatever they feel is appropriate. So they don't even read the last, the last syllable <laughs> of my last name. I'm Rosenberg or Rosenthaler. Rosenthal, uh, or yeah, Rosen. <laughs> like it's it's. And I'm just like really like you you couldn't. Take the time to listen or read, and yeah. Fuck well, you! I don't even want to meet you. How about that?
2: You should try try having dupes on on the station at some point. Yeah, and and try and pronounce his name.
0: Yeah, well, his his last name is long. Yeah, and it's
2: his, it's all uh, as a whole. It's Gikinege Dulipa Wijawardana. and that's shit. that's taken me probably a good eight years to do that.
0: To I've, figure that one out. Scott is showing his fingers because I've sworn twice the now. Sw- the swear jar. Yeah, and I actually have to donate money to uh, women's charities. Yes. Uh, in the, To the tune of $2 for this episode. For this episode. Anyway, so now you know. Fair enough.
1: Uh, we have a few other shout-outs we should do really quick.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we, we got we, right back into it. Yeah.
1: Which is unusual for us. But uh, We're
0: usually so eager to talk about our sponsors. It's the season
1: finale. It's a big
0: Yeah, big it thing. is the season It's true. This is s one e twenty six. Uh, and we, we got here thanks in part to our sponsors, the first one of which was our very first sponsor, and we like to call them the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Journal. That's right. Those ink-stained wretches uh, saw enough value here even before Empire Avenue existed and figured they would make an investment, and we appreciate that very much. We very uh, much do yes a more recent sponsor is of course Guru Digital Arts College and Scott doesn't say that with me cuz it's really long yeah it'd just be awkward yeah and then we'd ruin their the shout out for them basically yeah but basically. Uh, but they uh, they approached us and we approached them and we mutually approached one another at some point and uh, and they support us and we love them for it so thank you to our sponsors uh, maybe one day the Empire Avenue will sponsor us who knows
2: maybe maybe, maybe we could have the Unknown Studio Empire Avenue edition
0: it, it would be cool if uh well, maybe not, no, but you guys could just pay us an eve or something like oh, that, oh, yeah,
2: sure, yeah, because yeah. that's like that's easy, yeah, I got like a whole admin panel that can do that kind oh of thing.
0: really, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll invest in every single one of the three thousand users there you with go. impunity, yeah, no one will ever uh, or
1: at least in our forties of listeners
0: yes, who've never identified themselves to us, because I think listening to this show is a, is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it
1: the geneva convention had a clause against it so <laughs> we've uh they, they foresaw what was to come yeah they grandfathered in from, from yeah. way back in the oh, yeah, day
0: very I prescient think. that united nations they
1: were really good back in the day they were like that kind of stuff Yeah. Saw the podcast, podcast
0: things written in there <laughs> <I> mean, <it's laughs> in, in their charter it's amazing their predictions for the future their Didn't time even know capsule. what radio was at the
2: time <laughs> and like ah uh, the you or maybe radio existed back then barely almost
0: they used it for the wars.
2: It's like early radio. Yeah. 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 Like talkies. It's like a social network of sorts. Of sorts. Of sorts. And For that's military personnel. <laughs> and here we are. With
0: radios. Yeah. And here we are today. So we've talked a little bit about Empire Ave, and, and you said you became involved somewhat recently. Yeah. But uh, I happen to know you do PR for a lot of other organizations. Mm-hmm. How did you get linked in with these guys?
2: Um, well, basically, I, I started... Uh, well with empire avenue obviously uh, a lot of the guys are ex bioware people here in the city um i started at bioware back in 2001 um when i was 19 Holy uh,
0: crap! yeah I dream know. job right out of school i know
2: i I, I wasn't even out of school I, well i was out of school but <laughs> yeah. i wasn't in and successfully out <laughs> um, but yeah no i i kind of lucked out i was i was doing video game writing video game reviews dabbling in web design uh and and kind of just got the job there because I'd met Greg Zeschuk, who's who's one of the founders uh, and,
0: and How did you hook yourself up with a meeting with someone like that? Um, I had, I'd actually gone in to
2: Bioware the first time uh, as a journalist to preview a game called Neverwinter Nights that I ended up actually doing the PR for afterwards. No way. Um, yeah, so that, that was kind of fun. So yeah, I went there I think, I must have been 18 or something like that at the time and I was all excited because my I think my dad dropped me off, and, and I, was, <laughs> I was so stoked. It was in the middle of winter and on at their office uh, above Chapters on, on White yeah. Um So, yeah, I, I remember going in there. I did the preview, and then Greg actually invited me back to do some, just a weekend of testing on MDK2, which was another one of their games. Uh, and then I just kind of, I applied for a community manager job that I didn't get and was very resentful about uh, until they, they called me back like a month later and were like, yeah, we got this web job sort of thing that they made up. Uh, got the job in there and I was just writing kind of web news and updating their web page.
0: So when they called you, had you spent the last month writing I hate Bioware on the walls of your home? Oh,
2: yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I was I was secretly getting really angry and, <laughs> and plotting my revenge. But uh I was too busy working at Revy at the time, or Rona, <laughs> trying to give people advice on how to build decks as an eighteen-year-old who'd never built a deck before. <laughs> um, and do they it, have a
0: manual for that that you can? Spend? No, they didn't.
2: Well, I, yeah, no, they trained me really well, actually. Did no, they? No, they didn't. <laughs> okay. uh, no, I had. I, so I really the whole of the no story
1: idea. is, if your deck was shoddily built, you might now have a name to Please put on that. Please do face. not blame me, because when in doubt, I would go to the older
2: people who who were who were much more intelligent in that kind of area <laughs> as experienced deck builders.
0: but no so i'd
2: yeah I'd, I'd been working at at revy at the time uh, and i remember them cutting my hours from full time back to eight hours a week and i was living on on white ave in an apartment i couldn't afford <laughs> and then yeah bioware called and i was like score and and yeah worked there for about four years
0: wow that's uh, pretty long for uh that industry even
2: yeah i mean the, the thing is edmonton with with bioware has that kind of unique or, or i'd say advantage i guess that they don't have a lot of competition in the city true uh yeah. if you were living in vancouver where there's you know you can hop across town and, and find a new job in in your industry it's a lot easier to move um i just stuck around edmonton because frankly i mean i i didn't have experience um to do a job that i'd do would usually be uh, require a degree, really, which I didn't have. Uh, so I just stuck around, and, and obviously the products were good. Had a lot of good times there, uh, and then at some point I, I just kind of felt I needed to move on. I started uh, doing freelance PR for uh, an agency in LA. Okay, um, still doing stuff on on games. Worked on like Xbox 360 launch and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then kind of started my own agency a couple of years later, and been doing
0: that since. So. Cool. I'm curious because I now work in the communications field, not at the Unknown Studio, but yeah, I mean that's my that's the thing
2: is it's it's weird because I'm I've been doing PR, I've been a PR person for nine years now, but I'm not really in that industry, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not you found go, a niche. Yeah, really, yeah, exactly. Where I go to a like a, an event like Media Camp. And I meet all these people who are in this industry and I'm like, holy crap, I didn't even know there were this many people doing PR or marketing or, or any of this stuff in the city. Just because I'm not I don't, I don't touch it. Now with Empire Avenue that's actually been a nice thing that I've been able to actually interact with people in the city
0: mm-hmm.
2: that I've been living so close to but had no idea that we had the same job. Yeah. Most of the people I talk to, I tell them I'm in PR and they look at me like they have no idea what I'm doing. So
1: And now you get an opportunity to network with like-minded people in the same field exactly
2: and that, and that's nice i mean it's it like i said most people you tell them you're you're in pr they don't really know what that means uh, a lot of people think you're in advertising or, or who knows no nobody really knows like my family still has no clue what i do um and that's okay but it's also nice to be able to actually go connect with people that do know what you're doing yeah uh, and can share similar stories and,
0: i think a lot of uh, pr folks certainly some of the ones that i've met in my travels half of them went to school for pr and knew exactly what it meant to be in pr even though they couldn't necessarily describe it to other people i find that is definitely yeah. uh, a common theme but the rest of them fell ass backwards into it
2: I, I think pr happens to be one of those jobs that you just kind of fluke your way into you know i i went to the U of A for two years yeah i started in, in comp sci I wasn't a programmer, so I switched to, I think, like, classics in history in my second semester, and I realized I wasn't going anywhere, and then I think I did science or, or something else. Eventually just parted ways with the U of A. We split up. Uh, and Was then, it messy?
1: They they don't really talk.
2: I don't know. Yeah, we don't talk. We, we're friends on Facebook, though, <laughs> so that's okay. But, but no, I, you know, I, I got out of that, and, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't even think of career, PR as a career, really. I never it never came to mind. Most as people in that PR don't done. think
0: of it as a career. Right. Yeah, they they still, it's still, not, they've really been in it for career. 20 years yeah, and yeah, they, they exactly. still don't consider it their career. I still don't want to, that's I still don't right. know what I want to do. I mean, I, I just kind
2: of, you know, I, I fell into it and now I love it. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine really doing anything else. But before that I was like, I had no idea this existed. And maybe that's a, a matter of needing to be educated about that kind of thing. You know, maybe. I was looking up like armored car driver when I was doing my, my orientation <laughs> in high school, trying to figure out what I should do. Uh, yeah, it just never crossed my mind. It's
0: never too late. Tom. I know, exactly. It's never I too know. late to, to be to drive honest.
1: an armored car. Yeah, I thought it would be cool. They they made a decent salary. They got to carry guns and stuff. My my parents regale this story to me every now and then. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a garbage a garbage truck driver <laughs> because I thought the garbage truck was the coolest. Thing in the world, it and actually looked really background. awesome, yeah. And my parents were actually secretly okay with that because they were like, you know what, garbage men make really good union money, so he'd be <laughs> yeah. pretty well set if good he became benefits. a garbage man. That's not that's not a bad career choice for for like a five year old to be talking, and about. then and it's and sensible, it's sensible, yeah. Exactly.
0: You were you were at least pragmatic as a child, but go, then so I know, I think I know what ruined it for you. You saw those two garbage men driving around Golden Gate Park in Star Trek IV when the cloaked Klingon vessel landed on the ground and scared the wits out of them.
1: I didn't want that to happen to me. Yeah, I didn't want to be those guys. And the
0: dream died that very day.
1: It, uh, it really just traumatized me.
0: But was that the point at which you decided you were going to go into Starfleet? Probably. Yeah,
1: I it. still, I still have that lofty goal. So do you? <laughs> though. I yeah, mean, application sitting on your desk. <laughs> yeah. just, they have just very ready. high Am recruitment standards. Yeah. Yeah. One day one chi- day I'll be like Chief O'Brien the only enlisted person on the Star Trek. a
0: a surly Irishman forced <laughs> that, to clean up also after that everybody. as well, yes. just like our friend here Tom O'Leary yeah, exactly go. O'Healy <laughs> <laughs> Tom O'Healy that's
2: me I scrub the decks
0: Yeah he's swabbing the decks of the good ship Empire <laughs> You don't see Revenue. those guys right I mean you <laughs> don't
2: see the guys on on the Enterprise somebody keeps that place clean it's pretty clean there's no dust no nothing Do things. you
0: think that it's like a... I, I picture that people clean the ship when everyone's sleeping and they do it in a musical number style wearing actual sailor outfits like in the navy kind of thing? yeah, yeah kind of like yeah. that yeah like the hms pinafore or something. seems
2: it, yeah for sure it makes sense yeah
0: obviously yeah. i obviously. couldn't imagine
2: it really working out other way. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy might have their ipods in their ears i mean you
1: never really know <laughs> and of course the ipod will still be around well, it's the future, right? Yeah. In the future.
0: That's actually what spaceships will be called. <laughs> oh my God! It's an iPod. It's, just <laughs> it's an yeah. it's iPod. The Apple Ship. That's amazing. <laughs> the Apple iShip. It runs on OS, <laughs> iOS or whatever the hell it's called. What a lame name. I don't know. I'm getting sick of the eyes. I am. I Have to admit. A little, little oversaturated with the eyes. I feel like I, I feel like it's enough. I mean, you can
2: take branding a certain. I, I yeah. I don't know. At some point, it's enough, you <laughs> yeah. know. But
0: it's like it just makes me feel like a child. They're like, we a have another i thing for yeah, you. Yeah, a little bit. Here's your iPad. <laughs> so why don't you i fuck off already? That's three. I don't care. Three dollars. I had to do that for uh, our, a guy I know who listens to the show, Deja Springfield, who every day on Twitter complains about how much he hates Apple. So I had to throw that in there for him. It yeah. was funny. The other day we were talking on Twitter and I was like, because it was, it was the uh, WWDC, right? Yeah. What is that? Worldwide Developers Conference something or something like, like that? that. And he was complaining about uh, Apple being closed and not not welcoming to developers, App Store, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, but damn, that iPhone 4 looks really nice. And it does. And that's a, a testament to the it's Apple just, brand. But
2: that's it's just one of those things. Like just today I was talking to my wife and complaining about how If I'm sitting there, I've got my iPhone plugged into my car and I just want to get back to a song or something like that. It takes like four button presses (laughs) when I could just like click the little X and I'd be there, you know. And and there there are some things that just drive me nuts, but I'm stuck. Like all my music's in iTunes. I got my iPhone. I think we have like three iPods. I'm just like, (laughs) why can I not break free from this? But we're at the point
0: where it's going to be really difficult. To transition to new tech to different technology, I find.
1: It'll happen. I mean, I mean, we made the transition to the iPod. I suppose. From whatever was around before.
0: What was around before?
1: I think just portable CD Walkman.
2: Well, and they had they did have MP3.
1: Yeah, yeah, mini disk did well. Uh, and I mean the the reason the iPod took off was because it was simple, it was user friendly. Mm -hmm. Eventually something better will come along. It's gonna happen people will make the transition then. People are always willing to adopt new technology.
2: I think I mean for the issue for me is that I just have all my music in iTunes. Now. <laughs> I don't I don't think I have most of my CDs anymore. They're just they exist on my computer in iTunes files
1: that I can't convert into anything else, which is true actually um, because I've stuff. downloaded a lot of stuff from the yeah. iStore. But that well, I don't a have a, a literal physical CD. So,
0: for. so that's the issue, really. It's the it's the fact that it's in a format that's that is unique to if Apple. If it was products.
1: portable, it wouldn't be a
2: problem.
0: Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know. I. You could convert I, every single file to an MP3. I assume so. But that would be. They're all
2: protected somehow. I don't even. I oh, don't know. some
0: of them are. Yeah, yeah,
2: I don't know how it works. I I'm I'm not really sure. I know it's it's too much of a hassle for me to switch. So that's that's probably why I'm with it.
1: Well done, Apple.
0: Yeah. Very good job. well <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs won. Planet Earth zero.
2: I think he's at like three. Now. Yeah, I think <laughs> he
0: actually is. It's, it's like three nothing. Let's Earth's go back. It, let's nine. review Apple 2e, Macintosh, iPod. Yeah, that's three. Okay. I think those have been the only innovations that Apple has. Uh, <laughs> has yeah, they plug the phone into <laughs> it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, everything else is basically a derivative of those three things, yeah, right? Yeah. So
0: he might get bonus points or something. I don't think so. Extra point after no. Does he write a segue? Because he loses points if he does that. Really? Or is that just Steve Wozniak who does that now? I don't know. I, I see Segway adoption more and more. You know, you're kidding. No,
2: I mean just at, at conventions and like malls in the states, it's crazy. Like I thought they were nuts, and then <laughs> they've just slowly. It's been a slow burn. Like they, you
1: know, I think it's just. I think that's the way they kind of marketed it. Maybe though. that they they wanted to they wanted to get the thing? the word out. Yeah. And then people were like, "That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen," and then slowly people start going well, maybe it wasn't that ridiculous after yeah. all, and start slowly going back yeah.
0: I wonder if it would have helped them if they, if they put like a uh, stuffed horse head on the front of the Segway, the, the urban they horse. Need, yeah, the, I
2: mean, that's potentially one of the ways that, <laughs> that Steve Jobs could help them out is in like just the, the uh, kind of adapter thing, sort of plugging things yeah, in. You yeah. could have all sorts of different kind of heads. You could be riding a <laughs> rhino.
0: All On your Segway,
2: right? Or like an ostrich. Ostrich would be a perfect body kit.
0: A mammoth with actual tusks so you could gore people who are in your real. way. Those weren't real.
2: N- well, they're not. Not anymore. anymore.
0: No. You couldn't fool anybody into thinking you're riding a mammoth. Well, it's more about goring them, okay, really. Okay, fair enough. I guess an elephant works equally well. True. And, True. and in fact, if it's an elephant, they'll, they'll be more excited to see the elephant right. <laughs> and, and play with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Until Bob Barker tells you to uh, right. send your elephant Segway south. Protection.
0: Oh, Barker. You haven't been the same since you left the Prices Right. And Drew Carey, thanks for ruining a perfectly good uh, game show. I, I don't think you ruined it. I just, it's hard
1: to follow up with Bob. I mean, yeah, it's, no matter you know what? It's true. No matter who followed Bob Barker. I guess not.
2: Have no you seen one this? Let's make a deal now with uh, who's, who's hosting? It? Wayne Brady? Oh, no. Does
0: he break into song all the
2: time? I believed... Well, I don't know. I, did, I made it through, like, about 10 minutes. And it was just like, <laughs> let's make a deal is beyond its time at this point.
0: Even on The Price is Right, when they got... Ri- I don't know if they got rid of him or if he died, so I apologize. <laughs> Rod right. Roddy? Rod Roddy. Did he go away? I or think he died. He died, so I'm completely That's insensitive. That's harsh. Yeah. You, the guy they replaced him with was a fine announcer, but he wasn't Rod, just Rod Roddy. Same. Just not the same. No. So it's, should they?
1: It's because it's so ingrained in... I don't know, like the social consciousness. That is, the when you think of The Price is Right, you think of Bob Barker, mm-hmm. and it, there was there was no way they could have satisfied yeah. anyone, yeah. no matter who. And I think they they went on a bankable name with Drew Carey. It was it was a fine plan, but he's not going to live up to the no. expectation. No. If he continues to host the show for another thirty years, Maybe. then then people will start There's to go. Eh, hey, he's not going to be like who's Bob Barker? Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's behind.
0: I suppose. Shaking I mean, it wasn't then. always Alex Trebek that was hosting Jeopardy, either. No. No, I don't believe. I don't believe so.
2: is uh, he hosted as long as I can remember. Well, you're not that old. You may have to look that up. I used to watch Jeopardy religion. To the, in the internet.
0: Uh, just before before we move off topic, off of the A topic. too much. No, no, no. This no? is fine. Okay. Uh, when you guys think of Price is Right, what's your what's your favorite Price is Right game? And you can't say Plinko. Plinko is not acceptable. Everyone. I like says that Plinko. yodeling game. Yeah, the mountain climber game. Mountain That's, that used good. to be one of my favorite. I like punch
2: the hole or whatever, right? <laughs> or is it just hole punch? Yeah, you I pick a few hole holes punch. and you punch them. Yeah, the, is that the same one with the golf? No, I like the the hole in one one. is pretty
0: good. Too. Yeah, where you actually get to bet on stuff.
2: Yeah, based on whether you've selected the right price you get closer and closer that's to right the whole i think that one's pretty good
1: alex trebek was not the original
0: host wow. of jeopardy was he it? has
1: hosted the show since 1984 but prior to that the host was art fleming
0: ah well there you go see it's a
1: toddler
2: before that so yeah
0: I'd, same I'd, here I can
1: hardly be excused for
0: alex is definitely the shit. there that was worth $4. a dollar It's <laughs> astonishing isn't it so do you think they, they should have just ended the prices right
1: no, it's it's a popular daytime game show. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what their ratings are like now. I don't know. I, it, I'd have no it, idea. Well, I mean the audience is always still packed. And yeah. people are always still excited to come on down. I guess so. you're still... People
2: went and saw like Craig Kilborn and stuff too.
1: That's sure. true. I mean, it, I think it's free tickets,
0: but with the potential to win something.
2: But it is still. I mean, daytime. You obviously, and they have bigger prizes now too. That's true. I saw they had they had like a, a their big giveaway and they gave away like. Four cars in one show, and
0: uh, holy crap! Just
2: crazy amounts of stuff. Where back in the day, I remember being like, you know, a eleven thousand dollar car was like the
0: big prize. Yeah, or like a small boat.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's something that'll barely tow you uh, around. You'd get, but... you'd get like, yeah, you'd get like a trip to Hawaii. Yeah, and uh, and a master sure bedroom, bedroom suite. Yeah, All,
0: that's the the worst. Is when they they start with like a beautiful dining room set, and then the next feature they describe is an extra cutaway that shows the make. Of the dining room table. That's when you know you're getting a jukebox next. And if you're really lucky, you might get some kind of small trip to somewhere within the continental United States. Like a pair
2: of scooters. Yeah. yeah. Sweet, sweet. my wife's
0: dead because I'm (gasps) 90. So what the fuck am I going to do with the scooter?
1: (laughs) The, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the showcases can kind of hit or miss sometimes. I like showcases. But I mean, if you're, if you're walking out with stuff that you didn't have to begin with, not really a loser.
0: I went to a, I went to a... They used to do this thing in Calgary at the Loose Moose Comedy Club or the Loose Moose Theater. It was a, it was a nightly... Or not a nightly, but a weekly talk show with a couple of the... Um, a couple of comedians from some comedy troupe whose name I don't remember. Uh, and they did a game... They did like a, a talk show style Conan kind of show. And one of the shows that I went to, they had a guy on from Calgary who'd won uh, a rug <laughs> on The Price is Right. And he had a hell of a time getting this thing over the border. Like taxes and importing, and, and it was just like.
1: Yeah, anything that you win in the States, you get taxed taxable, off. right? Big and, time. And so too. that's the thing. You see a lot of these people
2: who may obviously really excited about winning a Ford Focus, uh, <laughs> but then they have, and to, then pay they have the taxes to pay like on that like a Ford couple Focus. grand on that. Yeah. And they probably don't have that money if they're that excited about winning a Ford Focus. I mean, I'm sure, a car is
1: nice, but.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of money to be paying. Could you sell the Ford Focus, and and then you'd probably still owe a tax or something yeah, in I'm the States? I'm not sure.
1: You'd probably... You, you might be able to get a dollar value for it, but you'd still have to pay the tax Yeah. On it. So that would be deducted from whatever dollar value you made. You'd right?
0: still come away with some money, though.
1: Yeah, probably. Not
0: not nearly as much. And a story about... Uh, Having won something
1: on the prices,
2: right? Yeah. 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 No, that'd be all right. I always wanted to be on the prices, right? Spinning the wheel is
1: like... Yeah, I think... I'd I'd probably pay good money to do that. Cuz
0: every time you see someone like Reef on you're like I could do it better. Man. I could do it harder.
1: I don't know that I'd ever go and be a contestant on the prices, right? But I would kill for a picture of me Just spinning, spinning that it. wheel. Yeah, Just I, a photo
2: of it. I'd be a contestant. The problem is like you get so excited. I I know people that went and saw the prices, right? And their moment of glory was being that guy way in the corner of the screen as they were panning across <laughs> the audience going like this. <laughs>
0: And and the rest of the
2: time, you're just kind of sitting there watching the game, which is fun. But I mean, if you got called up, I think that'd be that'd be pretty incredible. If you got to play Plinko, I think, (laughs) I mean,
0: that's that's like dreams. As long as you don't want one of those people bidding a dollar and contestants for like some kind of jerk, or a dollar more than somebody. Just a slap in the face.
1: Speaking of playing games, I think it's time.
0: It's time to, to play the Fast 15 in Tom's face? That's no. right. As a sometimes listener of the show, you're no doubt familiar with the Fast mm-hmm. 15. You get two passes, 15 questions, first 13 are standardized, and the last two are wildcards. Interesting to note, as of next season, the next episode of the Unknown Studio, we're making some changes to the Fast 15. So this is the last time you will ever hear this kind of Fast 15. You must be very honored.
2: I'm, I'm thrilled. Again, and
1: the pressure is really high. Yeah, because yeah, this happened. is the memorable one. Oh, yeah. This is great. Yeah, this is well, I mean, it. the
2: season finale stuff is always, you know, we could go either way. We'll we see will. how the reviews turn out tomorrow.
0: You know, we talked about The prices, Right, and I feel like that's actually been our best show.
1: We should end on a cliffhanger so that people tune in next season.
0: Do you want to cliffhang some of Tom's answers?
1: we'll see okay anyway <laughs> would be they're probably caring. not gonna be that good <laughs>
0: all right so the the fastest team with uh tom oley here we go your favorite food uh, i'd be pizza or nachos favorite color blue mac pc or linux pc dogs or cats dogs your first vehicle uh ford ranger favorite holiday
2: uh pff, that's a tough one any vacation
0: favorite sport soccer favorite pastime
2: uh, sitting around doing nothing. Favorite music right now? Uh listening to new Deftone CD.
0: Favorite movie? Uh Pulp Fiction or Pan's Labyrinth. Favorite movie or sorry, movie that you hate but everyone else seems to really love.
2: Oh. I don't know. Alice in Wonderland I really, really dislike the, the, the new one? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, movie that you get made fun of for liking. I like Titanic oh sorry Tom. i don't
2: uh, uh, just pulling one out that's, i don't that's like okay. a lot of bad movies i have really good taste that's okay <laughs> i
0: wouldn't know and <laughs> uh, your proudest moment um hmm
2: well my kid actually just got a 100 percent on her first spelling b spelling test 150 words in grade one Holy
0: she aced cow. it
2: so that is pretty awesome
0: congratulations to the young lady pretty excited yeah and now your two wild cards. Your first wild card, what is your favorite video game?
2: I play a lot of FIFA. Really? Um, yeah. I play a ton of FIFA. Uh, and also, I mean, all time, I'd say TIE Fighter on the PC. I so loved it. those games. Wow, that is
1: old old school.
2: school. That is old school.
0: Oh. Very old school. And now your final wild card question. Aside from Empire Avenue, of course, what is your favorite social network and why? Uh, I'd say
2: Twitter right now is is by far my favorite and the one that I spend most of my time on just because I it's it's so easy to just connect with people that you know I maybe don't talk to or would never talk to you reply to somebody there's a chance that somebody's going to respond to you that's true uh, you know I I just think it's it's really easy to to f- find out about things to get involved in discussions and it's it's just the fastest direct Discussion thing that's out there right now.
0: Yeah, I love it too. You know it. Indeed. Thanks very much, Tom, for yes. doing the Fast 15 with us. That's Tom Ole, VP Marketing and Media Relations with Empire Avenue, among other places.
1: Thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having Thanks me guys. for being on the last show of our season. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a ride, but this is the last time that you are going to hear this the unknown studio
0: yes the next the unknown studio is going to be an
1: entirely different animal an entirely different beast altogether and it
0: will be a beast we'll wrestle it to the ground by its horns
1: that's what we're spending the next week or so doing
0: and then when when we come back at the end of the month we'll do our next our season two episode one we're going to have back a very special guest we won't say who no we won't only that we are having a repeat guest and i will tell you this we're we're also returning to one of our previous locations where we recorded the show. So, that's true. Very exciting, and uh,
1: uh, it will before we've scared off all forty listeners.
0: Right, right.
1: We are the unknown studio will continue to deliver hyper local Edmonton podcasting. We will still continue to interview interesting and awesome people, but it will be different. It will be different, and
0: you will love it.
1: We certainly do. Yes. And we're really our harshest critics. We are. So. It's true. Well, I thought you. this episode was terrible. I thought it was awesome. Tom, I could be man. a lot harsher.
0: Yeah. You. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having we'll me. We'll see you yes. all next season, everybody, which is two weeks from now. And we're done. Cool.
1: You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 26. Our guest, Tom Oliar, topic, Empire Avenue pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.